You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, this is Sean from Adam Has a Beard. You can find us live on our Facebook stream every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until then... Please enjoy this episode of Public Access America with Jeffrey and Jason. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. Be. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who was taking donations from the NRA, shame I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believed them. Children were being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if you're going to figure out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, it didn't happen. Here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. I made God bless you. Yeah, that's the wild swings that is climate change. That's why they stopped calling it global warming, because it doesn't necessarily mean warming, does it? No, in fact, uh, global weirding is uh, a term that they use for situations where you get like that crazy polar vortex. Yeah. Yes, we saw that all last year, just sitting over the Midwest. I know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Even here, you know, uh, 
we we recorded a colder than average winter mm. and on top of that at one point in january it was actually there was it was so cloudy and so dark and so rainy for so long that uh UW's solar collection unit registered the least amount of solar energy it had ever collected wow but it still collected a bunch yeah it still collected quite a bit so mm. but i mean you know even UW's going Oof. <laughs> yeah it was socked in here hard. So, mm. well, that's the thing about green energy, you know, is that people people always say that you know the sun's going to go away, the wind is going to stop blowing. It's just not consistent enough. And I've heard that like building solar powers, sol- solar panels, is uh, damaging our environment in and of itself. You know, and then there's of course Donald Trump says that the wind turbines cause cancer and kill birds. So there is all these pitfalls apparently too clean energy you know that we have to get through oh and 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 really you know you've had these issues have always existed and it's just that now you know thanks to the fact that we've got information available it's really hard for people to ignore i mean yes when you put wind turbines up it kills birds that is a reality but what they you know conveniently leave out is is that those migratory birds are figuring out how to move around those turbines so Mm -hmm. there's a lot fewer deaths um, whenever you use hydro, of course, you know, you're altering the landscape, you of know, course. by, by changing the, the flow of the river, it definitely, you know, doesn't do you many favors. Um, <clears throat> solar, depending on the unit that you use. I mean, if you use photovoltaic cells, you know, you're covering up the ground and there are certain species in the deserts that, you know, ha- they like to have that open, mm. that open ground. And that's true. And so what has been very convenient is, is that you have all of these factions uh, fighting each other about why this version of clean energy is wrong. And all we end up doing is we just keep on with the status quo that we know is really actually harmful. <laughs> so, right. But I heard, I heard China was building the technology to actually transmit energy wirelessly. And that was the goal was to start building panels on the sun, on the on the moon, to capture the sun's energy and just send it directly to us. And that's kind of Nikola Tesla style, you know, shit that I really like, you know. And, oh, absolutely. You know, and, and Tesla had that idea of wireless energy transmission, mm-hmm. I, you know. But even then, what I'm going to tell you is, is that, you know, energy, you know, that kind of energy arcs and the moment that anything disrupts that or has enough pull you know it's going to do some damage to people (laughs) so shit yeah you know essentially you know essentially your your best idea there is you know solar collection units that you know power giant batteries that you swap out yes or you know, as I've told people, you learn to embrace nuclear energy as the on-demand fuel source in mm. places where, you know, you can actually contain it. Yes. It's everything, you know, everything about that is on balance. Nuclear is still the most efficient energy. Mm. Um, solar, I think, has finally become officially the cheapest form of energy. It will. If it hasn't, it will as soon as... The subsidies it was, are, are denied to the oil and gas, and they have to go into that market. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and with the demand switching for 
you know, electric cars at some point, you know, big oil is going to go, Hmm, maybe we should do this energy mm-hmm. thing, the clean stuff. Yeah. That's why I invested in <clears throat> plug technologies. They create a recyclable battery. And I thought mm-hmm. that was important because we're going to be shipping a lot of energy, a lot of places. And yeah, the car technology, they just got a contract to work with some big, um, trucking outfit. So they're going to be supplying all the batteries for this trucking outlet so that this the trucks can be clean energy and recyclable batteries. And I think that's awesome. I just, I always want oh, yeah. to promote that stuff because that's the base. That's the stuff we're throwing away. It's not mm-hmm. the equipment. It's the stuff we're using to transport it, just like boxes. You know, remember when mm-hmm. uh, stuff used to just be a bottle on the shelf and now it's a bottle that's wrapped in plastic with a cover and in a box and another box with plastic yep. around it? Yep. Yep. Remember when it was just a plastic crate that had a bunch of glass bottles? Yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I totally remember that, you know, and, and to me, I, I think one of the wonders is, is that, you know, we switched to, we switched to plastic because, you know, you, you had less product loss. Yes. Mm-hmm. But there was this idea that this was also going to be recyclable. And it turns out that that's definitely not the case. You know, the biggest lie it seems that we've been fed in our lifetime was that all of these plastic bottles were going to be recycled. And it was yes. just never going to happen. Mm-mm. But we, but we know what happened with glass bottles. They got recycled. Yep. Heck yeah. It's amazing so. that the plastic bags and plastic bottles and the little rings that go around the beer, you know, the six mm-hmm. packs, that that shit would be what would be killing us, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the, one of the many problems of, mm. you know, on demand culture is, is that, you know, we want everything cheap, easy, and now, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, you know, it's kind of like this. If you've ever seen the the triangle of you know picking picking a significant other, you can have attractive, financially stable, and emotionally stable, and you can only pick two. <laughs> oh, okay. And so it's like, yeah, I want somebody who's attractive and financially stable, but they're not emotionally stable. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Yeah, that stands the reason. But you know, it's yeah we 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 had our trade-offs and and now at this point it's like you know i'm paying i'm paying two bucks for a bottle of coca-cola for a 20 ounce bottle when i remember paying you know 75 cents back in the day for a 20 ounce bottle that's my problem why is bread two dollars and 99 cents now haven't they had the recipe haven't they done the research for thousands of years (laughs) so can you just make the bread like 49 cents and i always say like my, my example is Oreos. Oreos never has to put out another commercial again, right? Mm-hmm. Because everybody knows they love Oreos, and it's going to be passed down from mom and dad to kid you know, throughout time. They don't need to make a commercial. So their prices are so high because they're making commercials, and to me, they just need to stop or make a simple commercial with a five-second picture of Oreos just to remind people. They don't need to put that huge budget into it. Mm-hmm. You know? We know they exist. I know you exist, Geico. Stop spending millions of dollars in ads, you know? <laughs> and, 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 you know, one of the things that we've constantly had to tell people is, is this whole this whole brand name versus, you know, store brand mm-hmm. there's, and that's one of the things like I've, I've taken to showing my kids is, is that, you know, there are times when, yeah, the brand name's better. You're just, you're, you're not going to find a more quality product, but there's a lot of times where it's like, 
you know, I hate to say it, but like good old fashioned spaghetti, it doesn't matter if you buy the generic store brand or if you buy Ronzoni yeah. or Berea, it's, it's, it all cooks the same. It's <laughs> so, you know, and, and when the pasta sauce, you know, yeah, there's some store brands are not bad. Some are well, pretty awful. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, you just end up finding out what you're going to want to spend your money on. I mean, but you I'm, could also get two cans of tomato sauce and a bunch of seasonings and vegetables and make your own sauce. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I could easily make my own bread, too. You mm-hmm. know, been trying to experiment with uh, gluten-free baking a little bit. And that's, mm. well, a little a little more difficult than is it? Um, just a little bit. Because um, okay. I'm I've also had, going gluten-free. I don't, the bread, I think, is irritating <clears> my system. So I'm... I'm I'm interested in this discussion. What have you been doing? So I've been subs. I've been subbing uh, Bob's Red Mill one to one. I I recently did a batch of pumpkin bread because we got a couple people in the house that have some uh, specific food needs. Yeah, yeah. And so I I did this chocolate chip pumpkin bread and mm. I replaced one to one flour for this Bob's Red Mill. Okay. And it actually turned out really damn good. Yes. And then I tried to do a gluten-free sourdough, and that unfortunately did not turn out the way that I wanted it to, mm-hmm. mainly because um, despite having it covered the way that was recommended, uh, it attracted flies. <laughs> so, uh, I got you. Okay. So unfortunately, that one didn't work out. Um, but I just have to uh, you know, adapt, overcome, and improve. Mm-hmm. I made uh, biscuits last last Thanksgiving. My friend asked me to make biscuits, but I ran out of flour, and all I had was the gluten-free flour. So I just used that, and my friend, he's like, these are the best biscuits. You made these so great. And I was like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I love them, because there was just this big cake pan full of them, you know? And right. I was like, well, they're, they're just gluten-free. I didn't realize they would taste that good. And he was like, wow, I like gluten-free, you know? <laughs> and I noticed... Coconut flour is a good substitute in the sweeter breads, you know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 really, you know, the it, trying to figure out what to substitute for is always the difficult part because we've done gravy with coconut flour; it doesn't do very well. No, but with Bob's Red Mill, it works great. Yeah, uh, coconut flour, I think, definitely, if you're looking to add a little more natural sweetness mm-hmm. um, and cut back on you know any of your processed sugars, coconut yeah. flour is definitely the way to go. It's good in banana um, bread, I'll tell you that much. Wow. Mm. You know, it was so, it was almost, I don't, I don't want to say greasy. It was moist to the point mm-hmm. of, you know, and it was just like, this is this is the best banana bread I've ever made, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah and if, like for me, for example, you know, I'm lactose intolerant and I've had to, you know, start shifting away as much lactose as I can. So finding, you know, a butter substitute, finding cheese substitutes, it's awful. Like I love pizza. And the last time I had pizza Mm -hmm. was painful. (laughs) Exactly. Cause I can't do the crust. I don't want to do all that crust. I mean, I'm, I'm from Chicago. We like the deep dish. There's a lot of crust there, you know, Right. but even, even a thin crust, if you want the crust crispy, it's got to stand up to all the toppings. So uh, yeah, it's it's a tough, and I'm not doing cauliflower. I want to say this. Cauliflower is a delicious vegetable raw with a little dip. 
and I can just eat it raw. I can eat cauliflower raw, but I don't like foods that are manufactured into something they're not designed to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> I cauliflower stands on its own. You don't need to make it into a less tasty item. You know what I mean? Oh, and that's that's been the absolute difficult part because, you know, I, you know, I get a bunch of crap from, from people. Cause it's like, Oh, you're eating vegan cheese. It's like, look, mm-hmm. if I could have real cheese, this wouldn't be an issue. Right. It's like, I, but I've got to find something that's a substitute. That- and it's not bad. Like the cheddar that I found in the, I was standing in the section and this lady came up and she's like, hi. And I was like, hi. And I was, she's like, what are you looking for? And I was like, I'm legally blind and I'm just, I'm looking at colors and shapes, but I know this is the good food section. And she said, I said, what do you recommend? And she gave me this cheddar cheese and she's like, I like this. And I was like, okay. And it was, it was really good, you know? And mm-hmm. so I like experimenting. My sister's, um, she had uh what's it? Fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. And then she learned she had sens- smell sensitivities and it became this gluten free. Um, it was because she was, you know, celiac. And so once mm-hmm. she cured that, she lost all of that. The migraines were gone. The, the phantom pains were gone. And yep. so I just, I was in pain. And so I said, well, I'm going to try and get off of bread. Maybe it's gluten. And I have mm-hmm. felt better since I did that. So, yeah. And, and, you know, for me, it's, I've had, I've had this really, you know, horrible acne for a long time on my back. And, as I've started to migrate away from cheese, that's started to go away. So like all of my, whatever I had left of dairy mm-hmm. with all of that going away, it's actually, you know, my, it's getting less. Um, so it's, it's really just been a lot of trial and error to figure out, you know, mm-hmm. what tastes good, what doesn't, you know, and of course, a lot of you know people going, "Oh, well, you're trying this." So you know, you've been living on the on the left coast for too long, and so you're starting to go. It's like, listen, motherfucker, I miss milk, I miss ice cream, I miss real mm-hmm. cheese. Oh yeah, but I am in pain every time I have them. Exactly, it's like I can't have them, and I am infinitely sad. This isn't a choice because I am holier than thou art. Fuck that! I want a real cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the paleo diet is like um, being a barbarian it's not like good food it's a lot of raw foods it's a lot of uh straight from you know straight from outside foods and it's good you can't i can't keep that up it's too pricey and it's just Mm. it's just too much but i think what i think what everybody does is on new year's eve they go i'm stopping everything and i think over the course of the year every week every sunday i reevaluate my life and think what one thing can I change and see how that affects my life? And so that's what I do. And I just, one, one week I was like, it's going to be bread. Let's see if that's fucking me up. And yeah, 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 it does. And a lot of fast food does like, I can't eat McDonald's or Burger King anymore. That stuff just, it hurts me for a week. Just my, Mm -hmm. from my stomach all the way down, you know? Yeah. For me, it was, you know, for me, like Pizza Hut, Papa Murphy's, I Mm. I can't do it between the crease from Pizza Hut and the cheese that they use. Mm. It's just, you know, I've noticed that if it's low milk fat, I I do better. Mm. But if I don't do any milk fat at all and just do something that's, you know, non-dairy, it's better. 
So it's I, it's been it's been a tough road to figure that out. I really think that like you with the milk and, and me with the gluten, we're just full of it right now. So we have to mm-hmm. get it completely out of our system. And then I think we might mm-hmm. be able to find a tolerance point, you know. But for me, it's like four days later or three days later. I'm just like, what did I eat this week? You know what I mean? So right. I be really careful because it's not an instant result, you know. Right. And, and, and that's, you know, a lot of the times, like when nutritionists or doctors make changes in your diet, you know, they're, they have you on those changes for several months because, you know, even in your fat stores, some of that stuff gets saved. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even as you start to burn through some of your reserves, um, you still are seeing those reactions. Right. So once you finally get through those reserves and you've had enough time to let that cycle through, then uh, you start to see, you know, continued improvements. Like my mom, she had to drop a whole bunch of that stuff too, finding out that she was having gluten issues. Mm. And it took several months before she finally was, you know, feeling normal. So it's, you know, unfortunately, it's like, it's not this, well, if I just stop eating it for this week, it'll all be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll start to feel better, but, you know, it's still going to be a road. And, and, and of course, it's like, like I tell everybody, it's like, look, you know, my dietary changes are out of necessity, not out of anything mm-hmm. else. <clears throat> so yeah. it's, it's nice to have other people that have to, you know, have dietary needs. Yeah. Because, you know, like Emily in the house, she if, if, if it tastes good to her, you know it tastes good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I, I, I think they take, like bakeries especially, they take more time with their gluten-free stuff. I mean, it seems like they're, they're experimenting, they're trying more. And I'm mm-hmm. really happy that I'm really happy that I learned the lesson from my sister so that later on I could incorporate it. And that's why I always try and be empathetic to others and learn from what they're going through so that if it ever happens to me, I kind of have a playbook on how somebody else handled it, the goods and the bad. So I think that's what what existence falls back on. If we could do everything by ourselves instantly, we'd be the only people on the planet. So learning Mm -hmm. from others is really important. And I'm I'm glad you have a, a mom that's discovered how to eat and feel good about it because food is good when you can just like enjoy it, you know? I love food and that's, you know, and, and that's one of my biggest problems is, is that, you know, suddenly I have all of these issues and mm. it's like, why? <laughs> I love this stuff. Right. You know, like I, like I tell people, you know, I loved ham and black olives when I was a kid. Mm. Okay. Absolutely delicious. Sometime around 15, 16 years old, like my body went through its changes. Mm-hmm. I can't eat black olives anymore. They disgust me. And yeah. the smell of ham cooking makes me instantly nauseous. Wow. And okay. it's weird because like these were things that I ate and I loved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like every pizza I had as a kid had black olives on it. Mm. Okay. I like that. And, and now I, I can't do them. It just, they gross. They're just, they taste awful to me. I was the opposite. I like Brussels sprouts. I couldn't be in the house while they were cooked or spinach. You're not getting me to eat spinach. And then I thought it was because I killed my taste buds through like 40 years of smoking. <clears throat> and now it's <clears throat> like, I, I don't know. It's a Brussels sprout, whatever. It's food going in my mouth and I didn't make it. So, you know, I'm going to eat it and enjoy it because it's free. 
Well, there's, a, you know, and a lot of the things that I, you know, found out that I didn't like as a kid was either because, you know, the way that they were prepped, I just didn't mm-hmm. like, you know, Brussels sprouts was one of those. I never liked Brussels sprouts as a kid. Right. And then Debbie, you know, cooked Brussels sprouts like one of the first weeks I was up here and oh my God, they were delicious. And I was like, yeah, I could eat yeah. these a lot. Yeah. Or, um, there's one that I still like that one that hasn't changed is eggplant. I, mm, nope. I don't understand eggplant. Like, I don't know what you're going to put it in to make it taste better than the original. Stop making eggplant Parmesan because you know, the chicken was a good substitute for veal. I'll accept that. You know, let's stop killing the baby cows. I'll go to chicken. That's great, but I'm not going to eggplant. Uh, yeah, that one has that one has never tasted good. Or um, Ooh, I'm sorry, there is a dish where eggplant is awesome, and it's this Filipino dish called keri keri, and it's hmm. eggplant and bok choy and oxtail and peanut butter. And if you get if you cut the fat off the oxtail, believe it or not, it's so good. It's just so good. So, but it you know the eggplant turns into like a mash more than a, hmm. you know eggplant. Yeah, I could see that would be interesting to try. Um, mm-hmm. Squash was never one that I liked as a kid, oh, I but like now, it now butternut squash. Like we did roasted butternut squash. Yeah, oh, it was so delicious. Yeah, I and just then, turned it into mash. I just mashed it with some salt, pepper, and butter, and I was like, "This is so good." <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, or uh, um, Emily does a fantastic spaghetti squash. Like Debbie mm. and I, we haven't cracked the code on how to make it. Emily, on the other hand, nails it every single time, and it is yeah. absolutely delicious. I want Emily's recipe then, because I'm trying to get off of, you know, all of that stuff. So we actually tried doing <clears throat> the butter. Uh, the spaghetti squash. Hi, Nikki. We did this, uh, you know, butter, uh, yeah, spaghetti squash, but it was like in a substitute for noodles. And it was just mm-hmm. like, oh, no, my face was like, ooh, spaghetti, oh, ooh, spaghetti, oh. <laughs> no, and, and, and it's, it's all about, you know, it's all about how you cook it and, and what you, what you season it with. Yeah. That, like, you know, it, it definitely, like I will say that it is definitely not spaghetti, but at the same time, it is actually pretty damn good. It like is the way that Emily does. Okay. And so we've we've subs like we did. Uh, it was butternut squash, turkey, meatballs, and uh, like a uh, like a nutritional yeast sauce mm. because Emily can't do nightshades. Okay. And so What's it nightshade? was like tomatoes. Oh, okay. Yep. So. We did that, and oh my god, it was so good. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. It's you know, it's it's been one of those. It's been a, it's been a food adventure. You know, just because you know, grew up Montana, meat and potatoes, everything, and you right. know, now even you know, watching your parents have to change their dietary needs, and and even yeah. me having to change mine. It's like, well, you know, as a kid, I was a super picky eater, and mm-hmm. it, you know, it was, you know, I'd go, I would be the kid that ordered a cheeseburger at the Chinese restaurant. Right. And now it's just like, yeah, let's go give this place a shot. Why not? Yeah. I don't or, know. hey, let's give this a shot. I don't know if it's a thing that's all over the world. It's like something I just found, and it's a poke bowl. P-O-K-E with the Poke bowl. Yep. Yes. And that, because you can get, like, the gluten-free options, mm-hmm. and there's no there's no carbs. There's no sugars. It's like... 
it's like a big bowl of everything that I can just eat, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like you get to pick the sauces and it's, you get to pick like chickpeas and red cabbage and, you know, mm-hmm. red onions and radish ends. And, oh, it's just, it makes my body so happy. And they have a avocado, spinach, banana, pineapple smoothie. And it sounds disgusting, right? But it's so good. And my body just tingles with happiness the whole day afterwards. Oh, you know, and and that's, I I think that's been one of our our biggest issues, uh, you know, and that we've talked about is is that, you know, access to good food is Mm -hmm. is really hard. And unfortunately, I think it's harder than it needs to be. Yes. So, yeah. You know, as we talked about with those 3D solutions in terms of being able to grow different things, mm-hmm. you know, I think that I think that communities are going to be able to solve some of those problems on their own. And I look forward to that because, you know, that's been a that's been an interesting barrier where, you know, you have all of these, quote unquote, you know, better nutritional foods and mm-hmm. the price point on them is always high enough to where people, you know, are just like... Yeah, I'll just step it back down. Yeah, but the, I watched the transportation of a tomato, and mm-hmm. I was disgusted by that because it starts green, and they keep it in gases and so mm-hmm. that it'll be fresh when it gets to you, and it lasts forever, but it's just so disgusting compared to a tomato that you yep. can grow in your garden. And, yeah, I think food is so expensive because of the transportation costs. So mm-hmm. I love – and. I've been I've been considering whether to take Public Access America is a business or a charity. You know what I mean? And everybody keeps asking, why would it be a charity? What would you be raising money for? And I say, I just want when I hear about something good, I want to raise money for it. And these three D gardens, transforming buildings that you know are just empty into these three D buildings and hiring the community and making it a co-op so that they're all invested in it. That Mm -hmm. sounds like one of the best ideas, dropping fresh food into urban centers that just in a food deserts, that sounds like an amazing thing to me. And just such a, from beginning to end, what it could do for the environment to the people on the ground that need a new career. Mm -hmm. That sounds like it's been my favorite idea since um, Jerry say, from Florida Action Podcast, when she came on, and talked about it. It's to me, it's it's one of those you know we have unique problems, and we live in a time where we can come up with unique solutions. Mm-hmm. Like you, you think about the idea, you know, three D farming is not necessarily a new idea. You know, we've had hanging gardens for you know all of written yeah. history. Right. It's just that we haven't really known how to do some of the things that we've needed to do, you know, for mm-hmm. example, like figuring out how we could grow bananas in a place where, you know, we're not going to have to worry about, you know, fungus. Right. That's going to be a huge issue, you know? And so having these places that are, you know, not necessarily in the wild, but safe from, you know, these, these diseases Parasites, that are, diseases, yeah. you know, that's, that's one way that we could potentially overcome, you know, some of these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is, you know, it, Having having these places where we can grow a variety of, you know, common foods or even you know even some uncommon foods like, mm-hmm. you know, being able to have your own supply of you know lettuce and tomatoes and green yeah. beans and peas, 
you know, like the, the idea of getting to see where your food comes from is, is really interesting thought this day and age, you know, when a hundred years ago, we all knew where our food came from. Yeah. But people don't realize a food desert just has no grocery store and it has a Mm -hmm. liquor store and it has a mart or a, a bodega, but it doesn't have an actual fresh food. And so in a lot of communities, especially urban, poorer, poorer, I don't know how to say it, poorer communities, they don't have, there won't be investment by any large chain because they don't see the value in it. Ta- property taxes are way too high and the, and mm-hmm. the payoff is way too low. So they're not, they're mm-hmm. not going to do it. And so that's why this is such a great idea. If you're going to make a little bodega, put two more floors on the top of it and make that a 3D garden and put the roof, make a grass roof. I love this idea of a grass roof that doesn't like it doesn't add to the bounce back of global warming. The light comes in, the heat stays in, the light goes out. And that's what's happening with all of these roofs. You know, it's like it's attracting the heat, but then the heat doesn't get out. And so mm-hmm. if we can be reflective on the earth, it, it, it helps the environment. And that, that's just how that is. Well, and also, too, like, you know, you could have your own bee farms in these areas, too, mm. you know have your own have your own local natural honey you know it's there they are a a very unique solution to you know a very unique problem in Mm -hmm. in that access to fresh food now i mean in terms of making it affordable that's definitely something that you know each community is going to have to figure out what kind of investments it's going to take what type of tax breaks it's going to take because to me like a place like that you know you shouldn't be taxing a place like that. Like if where, where it's, you know, community owned, community operated community, you know, community cared Mm -hmm. and, and really about returning good food to the community. You know, one of the things that most people um, have started to realize is, is that, that, that access to food is what leads to stable environments. Yes. You know, why the reason why you have schools offering, you know, breakfasts now and lunches Mm -hmm. um, is because, you know, kids that have full stomachs are more attentive. They're better able to, you know, retain information. Mm -hmm. They're usually have fewer behavioral issues. I mean, a full stomach tends to do a lot for the human mind. <laughs> and you know, there was this interesting study to where they, they, oh, I don't, I don't know how it was, but so an ape, a gorilla spends 90% of its time searching for food and 10% eating. Right. And mm-hmm. so it never gets enough calories for its brain cells to build on upon itself. But then when man learned how to cook food, it became easier to digest the food. And so we spent less time hunting, more time eating because we've learned how to preserve the foods and have a consistent supply of food. And so that allowed our brain cells to to multiply the way they did. And that's why we are more intelligent than say an ape. And that's where the comparison comes from. But it also goes the same way. If these kids aren't eating, if they're eating once a day because it's at school, and they're only getting the bare minimum of calories and they spend 90% of their time not eating, they're going to go back. Their, their, their brain cells are going to start dying is my theory. I mean, I mean it's, it's a pretty solid theory in, in that, you know, our brains are, 
you know, the major source of calorie consumption in our body. And if you have, you know, if you're not feeding it enough fuel, it, it does strange things. Right. And people don't think about that. And I think I, I'm glad that you're into agriculture that way. You know, I love the, uh, I love the idea of bringing food to people that need it. You know, and, and that's the thing, like, you know, especially like in, in middle school and high school, at least in our area where we had FFA, you know, you really get, you really, you know, for us as, as farmers in that community, it's like we understood where our food came from. We understood the process, but you'd get to, we'd get to nationals and, and, or we'd go on, on these trips and people just genuinely didn't understand. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, we've heard, I've heard multiple times, like people who are actually serious say, well, I don't know why we have to kill cows when I can just get my meat at the grocery store. And I'm like, yeah, that's not how this works. I mean, eventually it could be how it works with lab grown meat. Absolutely. But yeah. in the current realm, no. Right. Or, or you know, I don't understand why we have to subsidize farmers or we have to help farmers out when all of this food is just at the grocery store. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, um, it's like we can talk about the subsidies. That's an entirely different issue. But apparently we need to talk about how you get food in a grocery store. Yeah. You know, it's 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 very intriguing to me that even in a day of as much information as that we have you know the the sheer lack of knowledge of how food gets to the grocery store mm-hmm. and then to your table is just absolutely incredible yeah and i think that a community you know a community co-op you know food grow operation is absolutely an awesome idea because you know it's a great it's a great opportunity for school children it's a great opportunity for adults it's Mm -hmm. a great opportunity for those who have been incarcerated to figure their way back into society yeah you know food does amazing things for people other than just you know exciting our taste buds and leaving us full (laughs) i just said this on uh Denton County Collective uh, on Tuesday, and it's somebody asked, "What the? Why are people so stupid?" And I and I tried. I my theory, the way I explained it was, for thirty or forty years, we've had children being raised by TV or children. Like mm-hmm. most of what I learned, I'm sorry, mom. Mom taught me some great lessons, and I'm on the edge of this. But most of what we learn is from our friends and what our friends are learning and and mom and dad had to be gone with two jobs there's no living wage and now there's mm-hmm. kids that grew up and had kids and had kids and it's this cycle and now it's these people that don't know teaching people that don't know and that's how you get people that don't understand that cows you know ground beef comes from cows and we actually have to kill them and it's the treatment of the cow that matters beforehand you know, we're going to worry about that now. Before we can eliminate meat, we have to treat the cows better, like mm-hmm. we do the chickens and the eggs. And, you mm-hmm. know, and so that's my theory is that, and that helps this, right? Because if this mm-hmm. is an after school activity where kids can come and learn or a, a work program thing for kids that are growing, you know, teenagers that want to learn agriculture. And it, I think it's just create the first one we create or first two or three or five, they're going to be expensive, but we're going to build a template. We're going to create Mm -hmm. a template for how to do this in these buildings and Mm -hmm. retrofit this stuff and get the filters and have the fish. And I think this is just so cool that 
the cost would go down the more we built them. Absolutely. It's, it, you know, like it was, I, I saw this, it's like, well, isn't the F-35 a $1 billion aircraft? Yeah, the first one we built was a $1 billion aircraft. Now it's right. 77, 77 million, which is right. still expensive, but it's, you know, by being able to do this more than once, you actually find out where your efficiencies are. Mm-hmm. You're able to create it faster. You understand what your, your hangups were from the first time, second time, right. third time you built it. And eventually, yeah, I mean, there's no reason why some of these places couldn't have multiple food co-ops you know right. you think about some of these large cities there's no reason why you couldn't have multiple food co-ops or you know have large food co-ops in in different mm-hmm. you know uh areas where you know you might have skyscrapers for example right. that's just it's it's going to be a very interesting and unique time to yeah. see how we develop this particular idea. Yes, it is. But I, 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 I lived on a dead end. And so we had berry bushes and we had mm-hmm. apple, you know, <clears throat> so we had a vegetable garden and so did all the neighbors and we would swap out. Hey, you got squash. I got cucumber. You got apples. I got berries. And it was so cool at the end of the street to just cook with and eat all that food, you know, and mm-hmm. you were Polish and they were Latino and, you know, I'm white, but, and they, uh, the guy with the apple tree was Asian, but we all got together and we just had the best food and that builds community. And that also builds knowledge. You learn what your friends know and what, what's at the grassroots is most important to take care of first, you know? Well, absolutely. And especially like when, you know, some of, you know, for example, like a co-op where you've got, you know, families that are struggling to make ends meet and put food on the table at night. This is a perfect opportunity for uh, something like this to be able to at least provide something, you know, you know, even a, even a, a vegetable salad is better than nothing at the end of the day. Yeah. But I'm seeing a grinding wheel and a, just like a mill house, you know, so you could just yeah. grind the flowers and the cornmeal and the grits and, oh, you know what I mean? I, I just, oh. I just see it as an amazing opportunity. The things that you could shove into a square building. You know what I mean? Oh, it, it could be absolutely incredible and it mm-hmm. could be just it, it could really, you know, produce so much over so long. And especially, especially if it becomes something that the community really truly gets involved with. Right. And comes with new ideas and for the space. And that's where it, because you can make a template, but it has to be slightly cu- cu- customized by its environment. You know what I mean? By mm-hmm. where it is in the country, a, a co-op by me wouldn't do as well as a co-op by you. You would, you would have different, dietary Mm -hmm. enjoyments right maybe i don't know some yeah i mean i mean here we have what they call uh uh porch citrus you know where you know you basically you move them outdoors during the summer but then you move them inside during the winter and voila Mm -hmm. yeah you know so i mean now imagine yourself on a on a larger commercial level where you have more access you know uh, you know, there's no reason why you couldn't grow lemons and limes up here. It's not going to be the same as lemons and limes down there. But, but will, will there be a want for lemons and limes? And would there be a want for lemon and lime down here when we could basically get that at the market? You know what I mean? 
Absolutely. And, and really it's, you know, you just have to figure out what your needs are. Mm. And, and, and I think, you know, that's where the community getting involved is going to be able to tell you exactly yeah. what they're looking for. Hey, we need, right. we need, we need romaine. We need uh, tomatoes. Right. That's what peas. I'm saying. And what, what grows best in this building, in this environment, like you might have a slot 46 that is just not doing well. Maybe rutabaga isn't doing well. And you replace that with something from, the Northwest or something from China or something, you know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. bok choy. Maybe, maybe you do that because I have this mm-hmm. theory that these people in these food deserts, imagine like a black Gordon Ramsay or a Latino. Um, oh man, I had his name until I said it, the bam guy, you know, boom. Yeah. Uh, and so, Emeril. yeah, Emerald. But imagine these people just not knowing the opportunity exists, but having the latent talent within them. You know what I mean? And just oh, never, that is... never reaching their potential. I always think that if Albert Einstein was black and in the ghetto, we would never have the theory of relativity. That's and that's entirely realistic to think that. I and to me, you know, that's that's another awesome and unique potential is is that you know you have you know some type of you know simple restaurant that's right there that you know uses all of those ingredients that Mm -hmm. you know can you know help feed the community i think that's a fantastic potential we have some great farm to table restaurants in tallahassee i'll say that and i got Mm -hmm. to walk around and watch where they grow the shiitakes and how they treated the chicken and and you know the everything it was really kind of cool I mean, the food was small, the portions were small, it was expensive, but I get it. And like the more people that do it, the easier it becomes. Because if, if you now have two restaurants using one farm, you know, the price goes down. So, so create a farm and build restaurants around it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the times, too, it's, you know, one thing that I've told people is, you know, really do your research on on places where you do want to buy your food, because there are a lot of farms around there that, you know, you could easily get, you know, you know, for example, uh, we've had we've had ranchers that you know they raise their beef a certain way but then the moment like a, a particular restaurant or or mm-hmm. or country is looking at buying beef they are more than willing to change based on what is in demand right so you've seen you know for example you've seen the rise of more grass-fed options mm-hmm. from start to finish yeah it's a little bit more expensive because you know you're not just packing on a bunch of pounds but at the same time a lot of times you're getting a better quality product. So I go with you're how not. The, how is the cow treated? So I like grass grass fed from that aspect. Well, and 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 you know, there's a much you know cows that come from a feedlot versus you know the cows that I used to raise that were wandering around our pasture lands. Mm-hmm. There, there's a huge difference between the way you know yes. those two those two beefs taste. Oh my God! Have you ever had a cheeseburger and a beer? in wisconsin you know just go anywhere outside of milwaukee or green bay like a hundred miles find a little bar and have a cheeseburger it's fucking awesome you know oh no, montana's got you know a lot of the same i bet yeah so you know there's there's a couple of places where you're like why are we stopping here to have steak and then you have steak and you're like that's why we were stopping here holy cow right and i think i think the industrial farm taking over farmland is one thing, but I think if those 
small farms can figure out how to interact with the community beyond the outskirts around a city or around a town in the suburbs and be able to get that food, find the variety that way. We should support local farms in our communities. You know what I mean? There is like a million acres of land devoted to corn. You know what I mm. mean? In the Midwest, you drive, you drive through Indiana, that's all you see. And it's because that's what was profitable because they were turning corn into everything. So we needed it for everything. And so they, you know, I don't know if it was subsidies or if it was the industrial farm taking over and buying land so they could grow more corn, but we kind of lost out on the variety that is life. And like New Jersey is the garden state because between New York and New Jersey, it was garden. It was every kind of food you could ever imagine. That's where, mm-hmm. That's where America in the early times got their food, you know, in the early 1900s was that area. And now it's just, it's gone. It's, and, and really, uh, when you think about the fact that I think it's about 1% of our nation are farmers and ranchers, mm-hmm. you know, and you think about all the struggles that they've had to try and, you know, keep themselves afloat. You know, when, when COVID hit, I know that a friend had, you know, his family went down and bought like, uh, something like 15 pigs and proceeded to slaughter and butcher them themselves. You know, they, there, they were able to give the farmer money, you know, that they needed to keep afloat. And mm-hmm. in the end they got, you know, a product that they were able to get. Imagine if you yes. had community efforts to do things like that, you know, yeah. pitch in and pitch in and say, Hey, you know, local rancher, you know, what I'm looking for is some grass fed beef. Mm-hmm. What's it going to cost us to get that? What's it going to cost us to get a cow at that, you know, at that price. And that's what I find. I'm finding here is that there's, you can support a farm by uh, pre-buying a certain percentage of the crop, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you might get 14 turnips, you know what I mean? You might get a variety of stuff depending on the farm you pick and what was able to be grown that year. And Mm -hmm. you might take the loss, you might, but the farmer knows ahead of time what to grow, what he has, you know, what he can sell. And I love this idea. And there's, you know, you can buy, I can't even remember my, my new friend, Ryan just bought like a cow. He just bought Mm -hmm. half a cow and it was like, I think it was 78 cents a pound or something really ridiculously cheap. And it's Mm -hmm. going to be the best meat. You know, I'm, I like local farmers. I want to support that. And, and really, I think, I think that's one of the ways in which, you know, right now we start to reconnect with each other beyond politics. This is Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're, we all got to eat. So the question is, is, you know, how, how do we, reinvest in in our neighbors right you know so it's it's because this shit's crazy right now but in the end it's like you know they need us to buy their product and we need them to keep ourselves fed and mm-hmm. and if we don't start really taking this seriously and, and start looking at how we really interact as a community i yeah. mean this is just it'll just become a mess and, and like we said, it's everybody's way of life will come crashing down. Agreed. But I think we need to, I think people are too short-sighted, dude. I think we're thinking about the election next Tuesday when really that isn't the end all be all. It's the beginning. And I think mm-hmm. like, like a comet, an asteroid heading towards the earth, it isn't the 
asteroid itself that causes the explosion, I think we're all going to have this energy going past the election and we're going to want to keep fighting and it won't be there. The fight won't be there. And so Denton County Collective, we discussed uh, learning about music, you know, and getting getting active in your local government. And here we're talking about agriculture and how that could be utilized by the local government. And mm -hmm. so I think we need to think about new hobbies coming up after Tuesday, new ways <clears throat> to use that energy, you know. And mm -hmm. so I like this idea of putting all this thought, the brain trust into into new ideas that could literally help people. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, because I, I mean, I don't know if you've seen what school lunches look like. They're not exactly all that thrilling anymore. Exactly. And, and there's no reason why something like this couldn't be a part of that school lunch repertoire. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no reason why, you know, something like this couldn't be helping those needy families that, you know, either have a food desert or, you know, straight up the access to good food is just difficult. Right. Or unique food. A lot of times a, a part, unique food. A, yeah, a community can get a bunch of one style of food, but not a diverse a diversity of it you know mm -hmm. i mean we don't need to take multivitamins what we need to do is be eating the foods that contain those vitamins and replenishing the earth with the carbon in the atmosphere so that we can get food that has vitamins in it the whole goal is to get better food and we have to do that in every way possible mm -hmm. and, it, and it and it all hinges on everything from the old traditional ways to to the new understandings that science has brought us mm -hmm. but it but it has to be you know everybody working together i mean yeah. you're 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 your person who is you know conservative that has worked the land for years your person who's pretty liberal who's mm -hmm. you know just wanting to learn how to live off the land i mean the reality is, is that if there's one thing that brings everybody together, it's food because <laughs> we all eat. Right. And harvesting isn't political. <laughs> you know right. I mean? No, when the crops got to come up, the crops got to come up. It, they yeah. don't care what, who you voted for or anything like that. Right. And, and really until people start looking at how to reinvest in their communities and really participate in their communities, this is one way in which, you know, there really aren't any losers. Right. That's what I'm saying. You know, I'm sure that there'll be some, some grocery stores that aren't happy about it, but you know what? I don't, they're still going to sell cheap pros. They're still going to sell super cheap produce and people are still going to have the ability to just be like, well, you know, maybe this is what I need to buy for now. Mm -hmm. But if you, and, work, if you work with the whole foods or a fresh market or a fresh farms to take your products that you didn't sell, you, you know what I mean? It, it works that way. You, you, you locally supply and they could even put a section called local produce. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, I just, I see it as a marketing win all the way around. I love it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and especially, you know, work with food banks too, you mm -hmm. know, absolutely. You know, there's just, there are so many ways in which something like this could really be a win for the community. Heck yeah. I just see a first floor. That's like a restaurant that who is it? Somebody has a restaurant and it doesn't matter. The price is what the price is, but you pay what you can pay. So if you can't afford to eat, if you're homeless and you can't afford it, you go into the oh, restaurant and you get a free is. meal. But it's a great idea, and I can't understand why it isn't 
severely taken advantage of because it seems like for a long time America was taking advantage of everything they could, you know, and now it seems like everybody realizes that, you know, we've been taking advantage of things for way too long and we need to get back to something different. And, you know, and that's, that's been something that I, you know, I've, I've wondered about myself because, you know, for example, like whenever we did fundraising stuff for the communities, yeah, we did something simple like a spaghetti feed, Mm. you know, and the price, you know, the, there was the suggested donation, but the reality was, is that we knew that not everybody would number one, be able to, you know, meet the suggested donation or number two, not everybody had, you know, the ability to eat. So it was just, it was what it was. We didn't necessarily care, Mm -hmm. but we still ended up, you know, you know, more than, you know, recouping what the costs would have been. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, for us, it was, you know, the costs were all donated to charity anyway. So it wasn't, you know, that, but, you know, from a, you know, from a mathematical perspective, it was always like, well, are we actually making cost on this or, you know, what's happening here? Exactly. And, and, and in a lot of cases, it's, you know, people tend to value some of those things a lot more than they would value those things at a particular restaurant. It's, you know, it's, it's the meaning behind it. It is. I mean, I mean, I had an olive rumalog. I don't know what it, I can't remember what it was called, but it was this olive dip with like homemade chips and stuff. And I didn't like anything in there. I mean, she was like, it has this and that. And I was like, I don't like any of those things. And I ate half of the platter. You know what I mean? Because it was just, there's this fresh taste to it. There's a fresh taste to where you're like, I know this was, I, I don't like this, but I like the fresh freshness of it and mm-hmm. so natural kitchen in tallahassee you got my vote i would eat there over anywhere with those poke bowls it's all fresh food it, they have a goal of having fresh food and i think if those restaurants were connected to the local farms we're in business oh it's it's absolutely wild you know mm-hmm. anytime that you get to have you know garden fresh foods or you know they're able to tell you right where the right, right where their uh, food came, you know, like their yeah. steaks came from or their burgers came from, or, you know, even like with five guys, I always, you know, they, where they tell you where, you know, today's potatoes came from. <laughs> it's really interesting to me because, you know, it, it just gives you that idea that it's like, you know, this isn't as far away as you think it is. Right, or, or sometimes it is. And you're like, wow, right. potatoes from Idaho. That's so cool. But you're getting McDonald's burgers from Australia, maybe. You know what I mean? They're importing their meat from anywhere they can get the cheapest meat from. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, you know, or, you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, McDonald's burgers are just straight cheap anyways. It's, you mm. know, it's, but there's always that demand for quality versus quantity. Sometimes yeah. quantity is, you know, because there is a quantity of it, it's cheap and you can get it. And sometimes, you know, cheap is better than nothing. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you can eat ramen or a McDonald's cheeseburger. They're the same price. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Right. Right. You know, and even like with some of the cheap stuff, like I was actually having this conversation with my oldest last night where she's like, well, I need to stop eating ramen. I'm like, well, why do you say that? It's like, well, you know, I, you know, this, that, and the other. And I was like, well, have you ever tried spicing up your ramen? Mm-hmm. You know, 
put some, you know, add some powdered ginger into your ramen, mm. you know, cut up some green onion, hard boil an egg to throw in there, grab mm-hmm. a meat, you know, some meat cutlets that you can warm up and put in there. It's yeah. like, you know, the noodles themselves are cheap. Yes. But if you really want to, you know, go the extra mile, you can put all of these different things into your ramen and you know it really does become a whole meal yeah and if you just go and find uh, like a place in chicago they have a place strings that's ramen and so you get i mean it's not the same ramen obviously but it's noodles and all the spices and you get some great ideas from that you know some just some uh, cayenne pepper flakes or something you know if you want to mm-hmm. season that stuff up and they have at strings they have a one to a five and five you have to sign a waiver for and i watched two guys do a contest of eating the bowl of the five ramen. And one guy went to the hospital two days later, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. You know, and, and I am, I am happy to say that I am, ex- I am excessively white and mm-hmm. a one is about as hard as I'm going to go. Yeah. Cause like, even I like, even with the Thai food here, like I finally was like, you know what? It's time to step up my game a little bit. Give me a one. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I did that with the Indian food. I was like, Ooh, this is good. A little. The last one was good. I want a little spicier. Let's go to a medium. And I, would, we're both sitting there, and I'm just like, I'm just sweating. I'm just like, oh my god, you know. So I got to beware of spicy foods as well as gluten, apparently. <laughs> right. No, there's there's one time my aunt, uh, she got these hatch chilies out of New Mexico, and apparently they, she was told they were a pretty potent batch. Mm. And we we should have known that these things were going to be potent when she was wearing chemical gloves, and it was making its way through the gloves while she's. <laughs> And this 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 enchilada she made was absolutely amazing. It tasted so good, but it was like radioactive green, right. and 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 it was hot. Mm. And so this this you know Mexican dude that she worked with, she brought some of this in because we could only handle one piece of this entire thing. So she brought some in, and this guy's like, "Oh yeah, no, I can totally handle hot and spicy. This is this is nothing. You right. you know you gringos don't know anything about spicy." And apparently, as he's eating it, like he's dabbing sweat away, and he's yeah. like, <laughs> "It's a physical reaction." I had a dad. I sat down once with, and my girlfriend's dad said, "Sit down. We're going to talk." And he gave me a beer. And I was like, all right, because I was like 17, 18. And he's like, and he started cutting up peppers. And he started asking me about my uh, intentions with his daughter. And I just, I, I, th- I would put them in my mouth, put it in my tooth and then swallow it. Never hit my tongue. And he was like, all right, you're pretty tough. Because we went through like 20 peppers and, you know, a six pack. And he mm-hmm. let me go. He, he let me date his daughter. But, you know. If I had actually let that stuff touch my tongue, I would have died, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, I totally get it. Mm. You know, whereas I am perfectly happy being like, yeah, no, I can't do spicy. It's It tears me apart. Yeah. It didn't but, used to, but it is now, and I'm getting oh, older. So bravo to all those people that can eat spicy, you know? Like that's And that's the thing is, like, I love the taste and the feel of it. Mm-hmm. in my mouth like it is fantastic i right. love it it's exciting it's just when it hits the shoddy colon part that is not so much fun and That's it's right. like it's like this totally ruins it for me because i do like that sting Mm-hmm. And so i think that's the lesson i'm going to leave everybody with because i know we're running out of time but the when you're young what you do to your body when you're young will ruin your life when you're older 
So mm. pace yourself throughout. You don't need to binge on everything. Just sustain your enjoyment with it. Because in the long run, you won't do as much damage to your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, enjoy food, like real food. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I just see now. Now I just want to go grab some sausage, and I want to make myself some some uh, sausage and eggs on toast. Right. Oh, love, 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 love sausage and eggs on toast. I really wish they would make a sausage that tastes like bacon because bacon. There's just not enough bacon. I don't care. <laughs> Three strips of bacon isn't my thing. You know. I mean, I make the whole package and then spend the rest of the day eating bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, oh absolutely, and and you know, luckily uh, Costco right now has this has this bacon Fletcher's that is so good. Mm. It is so good. I you know definitely everything that I wanted in a bacon. It's so delicious. For a long time, Costco had this maple bacon that they used to sell. Right. That stuff was incredible. It was just their own Kirkland brand maple bacon, and it was okay. so good. I haven't been able to find it for a long time, though. Because I'm not a fan of the smoked bacons. That's coming out a lot, and it leaves that fake smoke taste in my mouth, and I, I just do not like it. Yeah, some of that is not so tasty. Right. Um, I, I, I do prefer, like, you know, your normal cures, you know, mm. so... I don't know. I don't mind the maple. That sounds delicious with bacon, but the fake smoke, you know, it's just not, it's not doing it for me. Nah, if you're going to smoke it, just, you know, put it on a pan, put it on the grill and throw some chips down and actually, you know, you know, bake it in the open like that with some real smoke. Mm. I love that. And and with that, now we're all hungry. (laughs) Now we're all hungry. Well, that's why we're a morning show. You know what I mean? That's awesome. We got everybody. Now everybody can spend the rest of their day finding these foods and hopefully coming back and saying, Hey, this is what I ate today. You know, that would be great. I would love, I I really hope that the, you know, this plants the idea that, you know, community wise, there are ways in which we could totally feed more people, you know, with a variety of foods and get everybody involved because we get the cost down. I'm a, a food from a, a food bank, like a 3D food bank, like we're talking about, the price point could go down to the same price as a McDonald's. It's just going to be a, a vegan burger, which they're doing really good things with. I've had a vegan burger. I It was not the Burger King one, a natural one that was mm-hmm. really good, or a black bean burger. They're mm-hmm. fucking awesome. We just have to get past the... Uh, the manufactured, you know, hundred cow quota a day, you know, like beef slaughtered houses, beef. We have to get back to where we know where our food is coming from. You get back to knowing your local rancher. Yeah. I mean, really, and buying it straight from them. Yes. You know, they make a little extra money. You save a little extra money, and yeah. voila. And you don't have to kill the animal. You know, I always said if I was gonna kill a cow, I'd be vegetarian because I just couldn't do it. If I had to kill my food, mm-mm can't do it luckily i don't have any problem with that you know but it's it's there's still a level of respect though that Mm -hmm. i've always carried it's like you know this is something that has you know lived its existence you know to become my dinner Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so you know you have to have a level of respect because you know even what even people don't realize is that even plants are still alive when you're eating them that's right and we have the, ban- the banana and I share 95% of the exact same DNA. 
It's a good thing. It's a good thing that uh, bananas don't taste like people. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. What if people taste like bananas? Well, then I'd have a lot more banana bread. I mean, wait, hold up. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Thanks for being here, Jeffrey. I know you got to get to work and stuff. Yep. Spend your days thinking about food. Mm, I'm going to spend all day thinking about food. And now I have to edit a podcast in which we just talked all day about food. But I want to say thank you because we managed to stick to like a subject. And I think that's a first for us. You know what I mean? Absolutely. We did start somewhere else. We pretty much a majority went with this idea, the 3D model. And I hope people want to know more about it or have more input about it or want to know or teach more about it. Because I would love to finalize a plan, you know? Get your local government involved in it. Make it happen. Make it happen in a way that's equitable for for these communities that are struggling. Mm -hmm. It's about placement. We got to get the right idea and put it in the right place. Yep. Thanks, Jeffrey. We'll see you later. (laughs) And you can find Public Access America on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, YouTube. You can find us on Instagram at Public Access America. And please follow our Twitter feed at Public Access Pod, where we have a stream of positivity. Our hope is that you connect with our tweets and it becomes the string of goodness to fight the negativeness that's what's going on. So thank you for listening to Public Access America. That was Jeffrey. My name is Jason. Tune in next week. Next week, uh, we're going to go Thursday, same time. How about that? We're going to live stream, and you can find our podcast on Saturday morning. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you later. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, Tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody going to hit as hard as life. Ask not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome to Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. We wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Podcast, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Potable, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making.
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.